Tonight is Tuesday, April the 27th, 2021. Coming at you from Champaign, Illinois. My name is Joel. This is Dump on the ostensibly a baseball podcast. This is a B-block. We're going to talk about some top of the crock. It's going to be good. Joining me tonight, as per usual, is Sam. Sam, how's it going? Uh, hey, Joel, I'm doing well. I'm coming at you as usual from uh, Brooklyn, New York. <clears throat> I'm going to give you a real quick mead update just off the top here. And I, longtime listeners of Top of the Crock will know that I'm making maple mead, mead out of maple syrup. And uh, I had a batch of hibiscus maple mead going, which I just took off of the fermenter and put into bottles. So I have two big bottles of that, um, and I had some to drink, and it's pretty good. Does the hibiscus match the mead flavor? Uh, it's hard to tell. It all seems kind of like uh, aggressive on the palate right now, if that makes any sense. Yes. It's like the, the ferment the hibiscus and the maple all are like aggressively jockeying for position in flavor. Yeah. It's a lot right now. I think that when it sits in the bottle for a little bit, it's going to mellow out and be really nice, but it's hard to tell right now. So I used to drink LaCroix flavored water all the time and I hated it. Right. And I want to know what is was it like a self abasing sort of like yeah it's a flagrant it's a flagrant thing yeah right like why would you drink something that is a weaker version of the thing that you could drink because when you drink like grape fruit flavored liqueur. You're not drinking grapefruit juice. Right. And you're not drinking carbonated water. You're drinking watered down carbonated water with grapefruit juice. Not even grapefruit juice, with grapefruit juice flavor. Right. I, I'm not sure if I'm with you on that one. I really like seltzer flavored seltzer. LaCroix is not my brand by any means, but, uh, you know, I, I like would prefer a lemon lime seltzer over like a Sprite. Okay. You know what I'm saying? No. Um, Cause I really like seltzer. I'm a big seltzer guy. Why? I don't know. I just like bubbly water. 
Oh, I really dislike bubbly water. Yeah, I'm, I'm way into it. I really yeah. like bubbly water. No, give me tap water any day over bubble water. I like tap water too, but I, you know. Huh. I do like the hot water, you know? Hot, the bubbles are hot. Love it. Yeah. Good, good. Right. Fair enough. Well, I'm glad that you've got a mead update for that. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is ostensibly a baseball podcast. This is a B-block. We're going to be talking about top of the clock. We'll be going to be talking about food. Uh, if you were listening and you enjoy what you were listening to, give us a rating, a review, and a subscription per Apple iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Dump on the Ump, at Facebook on Dump on the Ump. Um, Sam, how do you feel about your Boston Red Sox right now? Uh, I feel pretty good, Joel, uh, honestly, especially compared to how I felt before the season or in the first weekend of the season. Um, the Red Sox are playing pretty good ball. And if you have been following this podcast, you know that I was really lambasting the Red Sox at the beginning of the season for not really having an identity um, and scuffling because of it. And uh, <clears throat> I still think that the Red Sox are searching for an identity right now. Um, but as opposed to just be kind of scuffling around and like slamming their head against the wall, looking for it, they do seem now to be on a trajectory that is, is more of a search for identity than just a lack of identity. Does that make any sense? It does. Um, my question is, how do they stack up against the rest of the AL East as it stands at the end of April, like you and I knew that the Yankees were not going to be as good as advertised. Right. But I think the Rays are going to be up there and I think the Blue Jays are going to be up there. Right. And, and so how do you think the Red Sox are going to be able to stack up against the rest of the AL East? Uh, well, I would probably put them in a category uh, that is, I would say, ascendant or like mm -hmm. uh, forward, like positive trajectory in the future, if not necessarily this season, like moving forward. Um, I think that uh, they're like the Blue Jays have a really interesting young core. Um, who, you know, who knows if they're going to be able to keep that together. The Red Sox have a slightly older core that's actually locked in for a little bit longer, um, but I still think is an improving group. Uh, like J.D. Martinez seems to be back at the top of, you know, his class as a hitter. Uh, where he has been for so long. Xander Bogarts is steady as he ever is and has started hitting home runs, which is good um, for him to show power. I think that 
like I know that I'm really biased, but I think that Rafael Devers is one of the most fun players to watch in Major League Baseball because he just hits the ball so fucking hard. Like he's near, you know, he's got six home runs, I think. And I think the major league lead is like seven or eight. And so he's near the major league league in home runs right now. But I would say that he probably has the highest average distance of home runs hit in major league baseball. Cause every ball he hits just goes like 450 feet. It's incredible. Yeah. He's a little guy with like that barrel check. I mean, he's not a little guy. But like he seems like no, he's a big boy, but he has a baby face. That's the thing. And like he hits a home run and then he smiles like it's Christmas morning every time. You know what I mean? And it's really it's it's very enjoyable to watch, you know? Yeah. Cause he he just fucking punishes that ball too. He just hits it so hard. That's so great. Um you know, Eduardo Rodriguez is pitching very well after getting stone heart disease from COVID last year, right. um, which is nice to see. And then like Chris Sale is, he's projected to be back sometime in June or early July, you know? So, uh, you know, if you like Eduardo Rodriguez is pitching like a potential ace which he's like always been on the cusp of like he's always been on the cusp of that mm-hmm. um, but if this is the year that he finally can get over that hump and like chris sale can come back and be three quarters of what he was like you know the red sox could make a run um either at the wild card or at a much weaker AL East than we originally thought it would be. Yeah, I think that's in the cards, definitely. But maybe not. The AO Central is very weak. The AO West, I think, is very strong. I don't know. The wild card. The question is, is there going to be one or two wild cards coming out of the AL East? Well, I mean, I don't think that we can even talk about the Yankees until they start trying to win some games. They suck ass. Yeah. Yeah. The Yankees are like playing basically how we projected them to play, which was like really biased in a negative direction. But like, I think that it's fair to say that they were never going to be as good as other people were saying they were going to be. But it is a little surprising that they're as terrible as we said they were going to be. They're so bad. Debbie Garcia <laughs> so fucking bad. Debbie Garcia got sent down. Um, uh, Lumpy Sanchez, he's losing. Like, like Boone said he, Boone announced he's taking away playing time from Lumpy Sanchez. It's like, what the hell are you doing? Like, you're bad. You like correct. Don't let your bad catcher play. Right. But also incorrect. What the fuck are you doing? Making this like a media thing. Right. Also, like, I don't understand how they just haven't made him a permanent DH. Who is not good? 
Boone. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah, he's not good at his job. Right. Well, I mean, he's got a lot of talent on that team, and they're not playing very well, so. Sam, does he have a lot of talent on that team? Uh, let's see. I think DJ LeMayhew's very good. I think that Garrett Cole's very good. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah. Um, I got a lot of big bodies on that team. You got a lot of big bodies. That yeah. team is big talent. Anyway, the Yankees will be like a 500 team, whatever. I don't know, man. If they're lucky, is that what you're saying? I don't see them getting any better. Like, they're 7-12 now. They got to be, whatever, 80 and 75 the rest of the year. Right. Yeah. That's going to be a hard, hard thing for them to do because they're going to lose to the Baltimore Orioles. They're going to lose to the Tampa Bay Rays. And they're going to lose to the Toronto Blue Jays. And they're going to lose to the Boston Red Sox. Uh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, they're gonna... they're yet to play the Boston Red Sox. That's like kind of the interesting thing. <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna be sub five hundred to everybody but the Red Sox. <laughs> so I don't know when they first meet, but I know that they like intentionally backloaded all of their games this year, which is kind of fucked up. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't. I mean. I guess they kind of always are backloaded. The thing is that every year people are overestimating how good the New York Yankees are going to be. Right, because that's where the money is. Yes. Although, ah, fuck. I still, like, I've been living in New York for so long and I still don't. I guess it's just because there's so many people here. Like, it doesn't seem like a very condensed population, but, like, I don't run across a ton of diehard Yankees fans, you know? Huh. That's weird. Because they have by far the biggest fan base. Right, but it's just, I mean, we, you know, we talked about this last week. I was in Houston, which seemed like a very big baseball town, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a big town. It's what, the third or fourth biggest city in the country. Right. I don't know. I mean, maybe New Yorkers have something better than, to do than pay attention to New York Yankees. I don't, I don't think they do. But maybe they do. <laughs> All right. So, Sam, you were a professional chef. And I wanted to talk to you about beef. Sam, he walked out and now he logged back in. Sam, I am still recording. I, oh, good. 
I had the, the whole- clock hit the clock hit midnight, and then my iPad tried to start installing the new Apple update, <laughs> and it logged me out of everything all at once. So I'm no longer recording. Just so you know. So I'm going to repeat the thing I literally just said. Uh-huh. Uh, we're going to talk about beef and America's policies about beef. <clears throat> we're done trash talking the Yankees, is what you're saying? No, do you want to keep trash talking? <laughs> <laughs> this is the best podcast on America. No, no, that's no, fine. Yeah. So uh, one thing that happened this week was that the Joe Biden administration had released a big climate change plan. And certain right-wing media led by the Daily Mail in the United Kingdom, the tabloid run by uh, Mr. Murdoch was that like Joe Biden's plan is going to demand that Americans reduce their red meat consumption to one cheeseburger per month or about 0.14 ounces per week. Now that's a lie because Joe Biden's plan had no like, first of all, it's absurd to think that the president could have that power over your diet. Second of all, it's absurd that a president could, uh, you know, uh, change food policy in that way. However, I think this is an opportunity to actually fucking talk about the wool, that methane, that cattle uh, production, and that red meat production has in climate change. And Sam, do you have any opinions about that? Yeah, so the Biden administration rolled out a, their, it was Earth Day just barely. And so there, there was like a summit of, three days of talk about climate change. And they rolled out their plan, which is a huge plan, uh, which also ties into in his infrastructure plan. And I really feel like he is, um, what's the word? He's just like latching onto that word infrastructure, mm-hmm. like crazy and jamming it into everything because that kind of was, something that that was like a big Trump thing also that he did not deliver on infrastructure wise. So Biden is trying to like reach across the aisle with this thing. Like we're going to do all this infrastructure, 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 by the way, it costs 2 billion, $2 trillion, um, which is great. I'm a big fan of it. Um, and his, it's funny because he, uh, so it's kind of complicated, but he's it, like the first and foremost thing that he's going after um, in his climate plan is methane gas emissions. 
um, which are a smaller, they're like a small percentage of the um, emissions of this country compared to carbon dioxide emissions, which are like fossil fuels. Um, but they are, hold on, I have these numbers pulled up here. Oh, wow. So methane accounts for 10% of the greenhouse gas emissions of the United States. Um, but it's 86 times more potent than carbon dioxide as a heat trapping gas. Um, and we've talked, I mean, we haven't talked about this on the podcast. I've told you this privately. There are, there are very strict laws, which we are about to break right now, against publishing anything that could have a negative impact on uh, a commodity, a perishable commodity, for example, meat. Meat. Which is why um the why people have why administrations and uh activists like climate activist groups um or you know journalist publications newspapers anybody has like written anything about methane gas because the majority of it comes from the cattle industry right and we're not allowed to say that the cattle industry is destroying American climate. Right. No, global climate. Global climate. We're not allowed to say something like the corn industry, which I imagine is related to this, is destroying global climate because that might right. hurt cattle farmers in Iowa or Kansas, or right. right? We're not allowed right. to say that. Well, we, we and we're not allowed to say that it's not just methane gas, but the right. fact that all of the uh, like biological waste of these uh, industrial cattle farms being dumped into the Gulf of Mexico create massive dead spots in the ocean. Right. Which are also contributing to climate change. We're not allowed well, to talk about that. Right. right. So it my interesting thing about this, this environmental plan is that Joe Biden is really focusing on capping unused uh, natural gas wells. Like that was the direction that he took this talk in. Um, which is like a tiny percentage. Right. Yeah. And you can talk about that without getting sued. Right. Um, and you can also, you know, force the companies that dug those wells and then abandoned them to put caps on them. Yeah, um, because they're all buddies with Joe Biden. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. So, okay. But from a like food production, perspective right what the fuck should we do because we do like the republicans the right wing are like you're never gonna you're gonna tell me to eat a cheeseburger a month fuck you right and nothing that joe biden has said is like no 
That's not what we're saying. But maybe if we're talking just you and I in a private room, maybe we should only eat one cheeseburger a month. Right. Well, people should be eating less red meat just from a health standpoint. That's like a, that's a given. Mm -hmm. um, it's not good for us, our bodies. It's also like really bad for the environment and the entire kind of food uh, structure in general. Um, in a, well, we just got a really serious uh, population growth decline in the most recent census but in a in a world where the population is going up um and there is still in this world plenty of capacity to create enough food to feed everybody we're still really negatively impacted by things like droughts and wildfires and all of these things that climate change are exacerbating as far as like interrupting the flow of like the global food network. And the fact is, is that red meat produces the least amount of uh, food per square acre of, and like of any other food. So it's like, you know, you have these factory farms and the thing is like these factory farms are terrible. It's just like a shitload of cows in a pen being fed like pharmaceutical laced corn products to like make them grow as fast as possible, which is true and it's bad. Um, and it's contributing massively to methane emissions because it's like all these like cows, it's essentially Super Bowl Sunday every single day. And they're like blasting oh, yeah. out. <laughs> right, exactly. It's just like they're blasting out greenhouse gases like intensely. Um, but there's but, so many. But it's also, it's like the, the, so the acreage that it takes to produce enough corn to feed all of those cows yeah. is what, like a huge yeah. amount of land. Yeah. Um, and like the United States still produces way more food then we need to feed our population, despite the fact that people still starve in this country. Um, and because of the nature of the commodities market, like a lot of it, like a lot of things like corn and soybeans go unsold um, and you know, never make it to, you know, the to to moderate the commodities market when there's a surplus, like the idea is that we like the government buys it and and sells it overseas, but like that doesn't necessarily always work out. So like <clears throat> we can produce enough food to feed the population of the planet, but like that surplus situation is like rapidly deteriorating with the effects of climate change and population growth. Um, right. So. So it's not actually about reducing your meat income. It's about murdering the CEO of McDonald's. No, it's not about that. Um, it's about. I'm saying. Like, it's about. <laughs> 
Jill's just trying to kill the CEO of McDonald's. Uh, the price specifically of meat and dairy in this country is unnaturally low because it's subsidized by the United States government. So essentially, um, farmers are producing things and selling them at a loss and the United States government pays to make up the difference at that. And that's why you can get a 99, 99 cent cheeseburger at McDonald's when the actual cost of producing that entire cheeseburger, which is like made out of 90% corn probably, um, is, you know, you buy it for 99 cents. It probably in reality costs $1.25 to make, but the United States government is paying for that extra 26 cents. No, sorry. The United States government is probably paying for an entire, like that entire cheeseburger. Um, and the profit goes to McDonald's, essentially. So what should we eat? Vegetables. Vegetables. Yeah. Or like anything that's like sourced directly from a small farm that doesn't have to be travel so far to you. Such as? Like, you know, support your local farmers markets, et cetera. Because. Are you gonna mute yourself or not? Well, are you gonna monologue or no? I don't know, are you peeing? Yeah. <laughs> I can monologue. I'm trying to do my best here, Joe. You did a good job. I can't hear you peeing. Right, yeah. I'm 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 masking the entire city. Yeah, you 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 ricochet it. I know you ricochet off the bowl. You gotta ricochet off the bowl. Um oh shit, I actually had this important point to make. Uh claps. That's the thing that we haven't really talked about in this conversation. I actually think we've had a, a good discussion. But, like, when folks can't afford anything other than McDonald's, we can't judge them for being like, yo, this is what my dinner is right now. My dinner is calorie intake. And and I don't have a good answer for that for being like, hey, if you've got if you've got eight dollars and ninety nine cents, you can buy a Big Mac meal and that feeds you for the entire day. And that's what a lot of folks are, are looking at. Right. Well, that's that's the thing though, right? Is like the uh, the McDonald's. Um, and Walmarts and uh, trying to think of other, like McDonald's and Walmart are two of the biggest buyers of food in the country, this country. Mm -hmm. uh, and their entire lobbying philosophy, like trajectory is like, we are feeding the people like, what are we supposed like the people who can't afford to eat food are buying food the poor people the desperate right. 
when, but the thing is, is like that also has like a long-term negative uh, impact on poor communities when they don't have uh, when their when their options are you know essentially not healthy like right because have you ever been to Starbucks? Yep. Yeah, fourteen dollars for coffee and like a, a biscuit. Right. You go to McDonald's, you get nine dollars. You get a whole meal. You get coffee. Right. Well, but that's the thing is like, <clears throat> you know, coffee is fair trade, and corn is not. Yeah. Um, corn is like a fixed price based on the commodities market and then you get to uh, you get your subsidies from the government to keep you from going under because in reality it costs more to produce the food that you're farming than it does to than it costs than it, it's worth right like you're you're producing a product that's worth less than it costs you per, to produce and the government is paying you to not be bankrupt essentially so if so the only people who can actually like make good money doing that are like the really the people who are like massive already so if we're going to restructure this system to benefit people, right. not benefit the, the few, the, the rich, the wealthy, right. how do we do that? How do we restructure? Basically, what we're talking about is like, because the government is paying corn farmers. Right. Okay. So you go to the store. How much do you pay for beef? Hmm. $2.99 a pound. Right. So that beef that's $2.99 a pound probably in reality should cost $10 a pound. Right. Right. And you know, if you're gonna <clears throat> if you're gonna like empower the people to like eat what you want, they want. Like you stop giving the government money to the massive agribusiness corporations who are producing the food and you start giving it to the people, right? Because like nobody wants to be on food stamps, but like every time you go to the store and buy hamburger meat for $3 a pound, yeah. you're essentially taking government yep. food money. stamps. Right. So that's, that's like, you're basically like everyone is on food stamps and people talk about like universal income and it's like, oh, that's a crazy left wing, like radical. Already. What's that? We are doing it already. Right. It's already happening. And it's like, it's in the food. It's like, okay, we're going to make the food cheaper. We're going to make the food cheaper, but <clears throat> You're, the only way you're making the food cheaper, <clears throat> the people who are really benefiting from the food being cheaper is not the people, it's the massive agribusiness corporations. Right. 
They're the ones getting the government subsidies. They're getting all the money. They're getting like, essentially they're like, don't have to pay taxes, getting free money for the government to run their business at a profit, right? And then like everybody gets a couple bucks off their, their ground beef, you know? Um, and I, then like you try to, you know. I get $9.99 instead of $15.99. Right. <clears throat> and I, so like how much, like if you eat a lot of meat, like how much savings are you getting? Like the more you eat meat you eat, the more savings you're probably getting, right? But like, what if you just got that money instead and meat cost what it should cost? And then you can be like, damn, meat's really expensive. I'm gonna eat more beans, like produce my own methane or whatever. And mushrooms. Uh, right, and mushrooms or whatever. Or you could just get to decide what you wanna buy with your money. Um, because, you know, you're paying for it. Like you're already paying for it. It's just like you don't get to decide, like maybe I'll save my money by eating less meat. Like you're already paying for that meat, even if you don't eat it, you're already paying for it. You're subsidizing the meat companies. Right. And so, you know, and you know, when people, you know, not that this actually ever happens too often, but when people are like, well, I'm a vegetarian or I'm a vegan because I like don't want to support the the massive agra like factory farms like the argument against that is like nobody cares if you're a vegan because you're still paying for it like they're already getting your money anyway like yeah that's a good point if you want to like if you want to actually do something that's going to negatively impact those com those companies like you start spending your money on meat and farmed products that are not from those not from agribusiness like mega corporations like you start buying meat from your local farm and then you're like look at look at all this money that people are spending on meat from local farms at prices that you know like maybe they're eating fewer cheeseburgers but <clears throat> like to make an impact in that market the only way it's ever going to happen is if like there's a consumer shift and we all decide to start start spending our money buying meat that is not subsidized essentially because we're already already paying for that other meat but like the only way to impact that is like stop eating so much of it and then we'll pay less, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, but that's never happened in the history of mankind. That's not true, though, right? Like, um, McDonald's. Okay, so there's GMO crops that are all throughout the entire food system, right? Yeah. Uh, and they're these souped up like the negative the anti-ad campaigns campaigns call them franken foods there's actually a million really great things to say about them because they're like creating strains of you know 
cereal crops that withstand droughts and fires and all these shits that like really help third world countries, right? So like, we don't want to talk too much shit about them. But in the United States, there are like zero genetically modified potatoes because right kind of at the outset of this like genetically modified food boom in the 90s, McDonald's consumers were like, we don't want genetically modified French fries. And McDonald's was like, we're not going to buy genetically modified potatoes. And then that never, um, it never like materialized as a major thing in this country. Same thing with dairy and Walmart. Like at a certain point, like you remember RGBH, uh, growth hormone for cows like to produce more milk was a big thing when we were kids um, and then at one point Walmart which was the biggest uh, buyer of dairy in the United States like their consumers were like we don't want our GBH milk and they're like okay we're not going to buy it and it you know that shit doesn't exist in this country anymore. And it's like the power of the consumer is like real power. Um, and you, it just has to like trickle up as it were, you know? Okay. Uh, I am skeptical about the power of the consumer. It's the only power there is. You think so? As a, as a, like, the the dollar is more powerful than the vote in this country. Yeah, I agree with that, but I don't think the consumer actually has the power that they think they do. Hey, it's gonna unionize the consumers, you know. Yeah, I'm a union man. Right. Yeah. Trying to put it into words like a language that you understand. Oh, what's that called? They have those. What are those called? Co- not collectives. Yeah, collectives. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they're called biocollectives. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been a very great episode of Dumb on the Yum. Hashtag top of the clock. Um, Sam, what's the best way to cook some oysters? Oysters? Yeah. Well, generally you wouldn't cook them at all, I think. Just yeah. crack them open and suck them down. Yeah, with some lemon and juice? Yeah, lemon juice, cocktail sauce, mignonette sauce. I like pickles, but also I'm allergic to oysters, so I don't eat them. Pickles on food is something I want to get into. Okay. Because, like, I love pickles. Okay. Like, and they can be simple and complex at the same time. Right. Right? Like, mm-hmm. you have a chicken sandwich with just breaded chicken, pickle, bread. That's all you need. Right. But sometimes that's not all you need. Right. Mayonnaise. Man. Or cheese? No cheese? Cheese on fried chicken sandwiches, I'm not, 
I'm not a strong supporter of. Yeah. I'm not going to like come out and like categorically say no to that, but I'm also not supporting it. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Let us know what you think. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Dumb on the um, Top of the Clock. Uh, thank you. Possibly the last episode ever, because we're about to get sued. Right. Yeah, well, like, you, you know, whatever. The meat industry, they can come after me. They've right. come after me before. We they, have no money. <laughs> we got no money. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> this is definitely up. Thank you so much for listening. Have a good evening and a pleasant tomorrow. Call me, 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 call me,